Hi, welcome to the Japan Travel Podcast. Japan Travel Podcast, hey, yo, koso. And best wishes to the students and workers flying to Japan. I'm your host, Sébastien Duval, in Tokyo on the 15th of April 2022, and this episode 3 is dedicated to professional tourism in Japan. From Minute 7, I'll report about my recent day at Japan Tourism Showcase in Osaka, but before that, I'll share a few news for context, then internship and job offers. Let's start with the news, 7, as it's a lucky number in Japan. News number 1. A new law requires companies to reduce disposable plastics from this month. This will notably affect travelers at hotels, restaurants and convenience stores. To take just one example, Family Mart will stop giving plastic forks and instead sell reusable sets made from bamboo. News number 2. 6,100 Nightscape tourism experts voted for the new three Japanese cities with the most spectacular night views. With the results announced during the Night View Summit that was held on March 25th in Sapporo by the Yake Convention and Visitors Bureau. The winners were first Kitakyushu City in Fukuoka Prefecture, followed by Sapporo in Hokkaido, and Nagasaki City in Nagasaki Prefecture. I feel this is particularly interesting because many travelers feel Japan has little to offer when the sun goes down besides going to izakaya pubs and bars, but also because Kitakyushu is a little known destination. How did Kitakyushu win? There were public efforts, for example lighting up Moji Port and Wakato Bridge, and there were private efforts, for example citizens installing 16,000 bamboo lanterns at Kokura Castle. News number 3. The golden tea room of warlord Toyotomi Hideyoshi was restored and is open to the public at the Saga Prefectural Nagoya Castle Museum. 16,500 pieces of gold leaves were used, amounting to 36 million yen approximately 290,000 US dollars or 265,000 euros. Visitors can watch for free but have to pay to enjoy a tea ceremony inside and must make a reservation beforehand. Be careful, this is not Nagoya City in Aichi Prefecture that has a Shinkansen station. This is in Saga Prefecture near Fukuoka Airport like the city of Kitakyushu. News number 4. On April 1st, a new facility Solacid Air Surfing Center Kisakihama opened at Kisakihama Beach in Miyazaki Prefecture. It provides gender-segregated changing rooms and hot showers for surfers. There are also defibrillators and an emergency announcement system. Why should you care? Because this beach hosted the 2019 World Surfing Games organized by the International Surfing Association. News number 5. On April 1st, too, a luxurious hotel called Marufukuro opened in Kyoto at Nintendo's X headquarters. The building was renovated and expanded thanks to the famous architect Tadao Ando. The lounge displays around 100 items related to video games but also playing cards, which was the original business of the company that was in fact started in 1889. News number 6. MICE professionals are also getting active because business trips to Japan are now allowed on the contrary to holiday trips. For listeners who don't know, MICE stands for Meetings, Incentives, Conferences and Exhibitions. Japan National Tourism Organization made 10 Convention City videos public. The videos were shot in 2020 but only opened to the public a few days ago. Long-term Japan travel contributor and current Miyagi Prefecture partner Justin Velgus introduces convention and meeting facilities of Sendai City as well as local attractions such as rich nature, samurai history and relaxing hot springs. 
Although not indicated in Sendai Convention City PR video, professional visitors can get vegan, vegetarian and halal meals at restaurants in Sendai City, and any convention or conference can arrange catering or bento boxes matching such needs. I attended a conference in Sendai City more than 10 years ago when I was doing research in virtual reality, and I had a great time, so I definitely recommend the city and its facilities. You can watch all the videos at www.japanmeetings.org slash virtualvisit slash. And one of the videos is about Kitakyushu, a city we talked about a few minutes ago. News number 7. Tokyo is launching an annual food festival named Tokyo Tokyo Delicious Museum. The first edition will take place in Odaiba area from the 20th to the 22nd of May. The Japanese website notably covers seafood and vegan food, and an English version is expected in the coming days. I'll try to attend and provide a report on this podcast. Looking online, a few websites have appeared or changed. Just two examples. Suruga in Shizuoka has launched a Visit Suruga website focusing on local tea production. Mount Fuji is not far because it's on the border that the prefecture shares with Yamanashi, so you may enjoy both tea and Mount Fuji at the same time. The non-profit organization Pikyo renewed its website to better show its efforts related to conservation efforts for bears, as well as ecotourism in Karizawa, Nagano Prefecture, Iriomote, Okinawa Prefecture, and Shiretoko, Hokkaido Prefecture. I've been a big fan of this organization for years, so I was really happy to learn that. You can check what they do on their website, www.wildlife-pikyo.com. Pikyo is written P-I-C-C-H-I-O. Talking about Pikyo, this NPO proposes internships. Go on their main page and click on Apply for Internship to learn more. Just reading one sentence from their dedicated page, as part of our ethos to educate and spread awareness for conservation, Pikyo runs an internship program between the months of May to October for overseas individuals who wish to learn more about the Japanese wildlife and Japanese wildlife management systems. For listeners looking for other types of internship, I'd be happy to get some help preparing the podcast, especially from candidates with a background in journalism or sound editing. Remote would be fine, so it's completely suitable for wheelchair listeners, for example you can email us at intern at japantravel.com. For listeners looking for jobs, it may be a good moment to contact travel agencies. In our last episode, Luca indicated that his team is receiving orders for trips in 2022 and 2023, so this is certainly the case at other companies too. Focusing a few seconds on Japan Travel KK, we are always looking for more virtual guides, typically residents in Japan interested in guiding during live online tours in the regions, mostly foreigners skilled in English at this stage, but also sales staff for the media department to discuss with local governments such as cities or prefectures to create articles, videos, websites, or organize consulting sessions, pilot tours, or surveys, for example. Sales staff would typically be Japanese to best communicate and catch nuances of discussions in Japanese. Other jobs, such as marketing associate, would become available depending on the changing needs of the company and on personal events in the life of our staff, for example, getting a baby or moving to another country. And now, our event report with info for tourists and insights for students and professionals. Let's start with four short segments, just 43 seconds of an online team meeting between my colleague Kota Asegawa and our boss, Jeff Day. Yeah, it was really worth it. 
we were expecting to give our business cards and say hi and then just walk away to the next. But since it was less crowded, we had a lot of time to talk with the people. I do the introduction and then Sebastian talks about his experience in these rural areas and people we were talking with was really surprised with his knowledge about their area. That way, I think we left a very good impression. It's a good combo. Yeah. yeah. So we were, yeah, it was um, actually, yeah, it was a huge help from him. If we get at least one project out of the 100, it'll easily pay the cost for our traveling. Definitely one that we'll send you guys mm-hmm. back to next year. Or, or send somebody back to next year for sure. Uh, we might want to get a yeah. <laughs> couple different members. And now, my report. I attended the first Japan Tourism Showcase in Osaka a few days ago on Friday, March 25th at Intex Osaka with a Japanese colleague. Friday was reserved to professionals like us, whereas Saturday and Sunday welcomed the general public, so we avoided the crowds and talked with staff in a business-to-business frame of mind. Overall, the day was interesting and productive, but we'll see if collaborations happen after the follow-ups in the coming days and weeks. I take this opportunity to thank Gary Luscombe, Japan Travel's partner for Mie Prefecture, who told me about this event as soon as he learned about it. For this report, I'll answer the questions. How was the event? What was surprising or unique? Were exhibitors interested in foreign tourists? What about the next event? Any travel tips for future attendees? First, how was the event? The 77 sections, some containing several booths, were in one big room, along with a food court and a conference section. The booths mostly belonged to cities, prefectures, hotels and technology companies. Staff coming from the areas were available for discussion. There were brochures and some gifts were available, for example bath salts from hot springs. Among relatively few visitors, we could easily spot a human-sized Yuru Kiara mascot moving around. I believe it was Kyun-chan, a costume of a small animal called a pika, itself wearing a costume of a deer, both animals representing the region of Hokkaido. No surprise, mascots are typical at Japanese events. Hokkaido was well represented and its presence felt particularly pertinent as it is famous for its big open spaces, something that travelers wishing to avoid big crowds will appreciate when travel fully resumes. And as usual, there were brochures about snow trekking, snow cycling, cruises to see bears. But I saw, for the first time, information about gliding, and several booths highlighted the Ainu indigenous culture, with information about the newly created Upopoi National Ainu Museum, traditional dances, digital art, ancestral food, and more. For gliding, see the website of Tatikawa Sky Park. Kids can fly from 10 years old. For an awesome digital art experience, see the website kamuilumina.jp K-A-M-U-Y-L-U-M-I-N-A dot J-P Watching the video on this website got me all excited. The Kansai region was of course well represented too because the event happened in Kansai and because the region is getting ready for the World's Fair that will take place in Osaka in three years. A booth was dedicated to the 2025 Osaka Expo and I discussed with the staff, which was one of my main goals. Unfortunately, the 2020 Dubai Expo, postponed due to the pandemic, was still going on, so many discussions and decisions regarding the Osaka Expo remained pending. At least, participants like me could get some official products to promote the event and Japan during the coming years. In addition to Osaka Prefecture, the Kansai region includes the prefectures of Kyoto, Nara, Hyogo, 
Mie, Shiga, and Wakayama. And I was impressed by the visibility of Wakayama, with staff dedicated to Shirahama City and Shingu City, for example, but also to Kumano Kodo pilgrimage routes. This led to lively discussions because I visited the area last year, helping advise locals and the Minister of the Environment about inbound tourism along the coast and at the heart of Yoshino Kumano National Park. I have exciting memories of sea kayaking around the forbidden island of Kashima, but also of hiking and cycling in the countryside there. I'd like to highlight that the booth of Kumano Kodo was probably the only one with documents in Spanish, due to a partnership with the Camino de Santiago in Spain, known as the Way of St. James in English. Without detailing everything else, I just say that delegates of diverse areas were present. For example, Shirakawago, Nikko, and Fukui. Let's just discuss a bit these ones. First, the village of Shirakawago was designated as a world heritage by UNESCO, and the staff told us that they would love tourists to spend at least one night on site instead of doing just a day trip by bus. I'd strongly recommend it as I relaxed two days in that village 15 years ago with an excellent dinner and refreshing night in a traditional house, walking in the morning with the whispers of the wind and the songs of the insects. Second, the city of Nikko notably featured its theme park Edo Wonderland, which showcases life in the times of the samurai. Edo Wonderland manages to stay afloat nowadays thanks to its Japanese clients, but also to its foreign clients, mostly soldiers and their family coming from American bases in Japan. I was glad to learn that vegans are welcome at this theme park, you just have to ask for soba noodles. And third, Fukui Prefecture felt very special because its budget is certainly very very limited. Why? Because it can gather much money from taxis for tourism. First, it's not a popular destination, so not many people come. And two, because its population is small, only 787,000 inhabitants, compared to millions and millions in many other prefectures. That being said, the staff was lively and friendly, wearing a traditional Haori jacket with cute dinosaur drawings at the bottom to match the awesome dinosaur museum that is in Fukui Prefecture. I visited it once and I saw fossils of regional dinosaurs, including the Fukui Raptor and Fukuisaurus. I also saw technicians cleaning fossils, gems, and some augmented reality and robot dinosaurs. It's really a great place for adults and kids alike. If you plan to go, please note that this museum will be closed from December to summer 2023 for maintenance as well as for the creation of an additional building. What was surprising or unique? No big surprise for me because I had checked the list of exhibitors before going. Unusual elements, however, included a section dedicated to sea tourism, a booth about a desert island, a booth about a new innovative theme park, and a booth distributing potatoes. The section about maritime tourism included delegates from several companies and at least one of them is preparing new routes to match the interests and patterns of international travelers. The content differed greatly from what Luca introduced in episode 1. The staff was not talking about cruises of a few weeks, but cruises of a few hours. In a completely different section of the event, we discovered a company that lets travelers rent a desert island shaped like a whale. You may imagine a sandy spot with a palm tree in the middle, but the reality is many trees, tents for glamping, a kind of luxurious camping, literally glamorous camping, 
a chef to cook your food and other facilities. Also, the same company lets you rent a yacht, for example, to go enjoy the sunset and sunrise from the sea. This is definitely not cheap, but a great proposal for luxury travelers. The innovative theme park I discovered during the event is Small Worlds Tokyo, which features many scenes with miniatures. The scale is 1 for 80, the details are impressive, and day and night alternate every 15 minutes, so the same spot looks very different at different moments. Also, your body can be scanned in 3D to create your own miniature, and the computer model can be used in an augmented reality app that some tourists might find lovely. The exhibitor gave me tickets for me and my colleagues, so you may hear about this in a future episode. The booth distributing potatoes to cook at home was dedicated to Niseko, an area of Hokkaido most famous for its snow and ski resorts. The distribution was certainly memorable and highlighted the confidence that the locals have about the quality of their food. I can understand that considering that Hokkaido is one of the two prefectures coming to my mind when I think about the best food I had in Japan so far. And considering that Hokkaido is the biggest producer of agricultural products. Where exhibitors interested in foreign tourists? Some exhibitors showed great interest in attracting foreigners and so the current period as important to get ready to catch as many as possible once international travel resumes. However, most exhibitors focused on the domestic market. Japanese citizens living in Japan, not even foreigners living in Japan. The obvious reason is that the Japanese borders are still closed to tourists without any calendar or clear steps to reopen. A less obvious reason is that some budgets have dried up because less tourists means less tax collection, and that's been the case for two years. Just adding a few words for context. Looking at the faces, my best guess is that all the exhibitors were Japanese staff, though one introduced herself as a binational German-Japanese. And among the visitors, I saw five Caucasians, I suppose staff from travel agencies or software companies. What about the next event, maybe in spring 2023? This event was fine for a first edition, and I believe a 2023 version would be worth attending for tourism professionals in Japan. Next time, the inbound market should be much more discussed, hopefully with open borders, but at least automatically because the 2025 Osaka Expo will get quite close. Thinking about the organizers, I'd recommend adding at least one vegan option on site to show open-mindedness, to align the organization to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and to promote the Sho Jin Ryo Li vegan cuisine that originated near Osaka because the Japanese cradle of Buddhism is Nara. Thinking about the exhibitors, I'd recommend having all the brochures available in digital format. This would be less cumbersome, more practical to archive, easier to explore with a search tool, and easier to share with colleagues or travelers. Thinking about the attendees, maybe you, make sure to bring many business cards. Any travel tips for future attendees? Tip number one. Attendees doing a day trip from Tokyo should make a reservation for their Shinkansen high-speed train on the right side of the train so they can see Mount Fuji in the morning. It would not be helpful to reserve on the left side when coming back because it will be night and you will not see anything. Tip number two. Vegans can easily find a meal near the Shinkansen station of Shinosaka. So before going back, you can just go to the Japanese chain Mos Burger and order a green burger. Third tip, 
be careful with the Sakura themed drinks on site at the Evans Ford Court. For example, if you take a cafe latte with cherry flowers floating, you may discover that the drink is very sweet, but the cherry flowers themselves are very salty. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe now to be notified about future episodes, and please leave reviews on your favorite platform. Episode 4 will be about places to love in Japan. That's one you'll certainly not want to miss. In the meantime, you can let us know your thoughts at podcast at japantravel.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks for helping. And sweet dreams of Japan. Japan.